There's never enough time. Every night I go to bed with a to-do list longer than is possible for the next day. I balance time between family, friends, clubs, groups, and work. I documented it all online with profiles and feeds to make it seem like it's all sorted out. But the truth is it's not sorted out at all. Time is what I want most, but what I use worst. If time really is money, then I'm broke. I think we all are. I was in a coffee shop the other day and ran into a friend. I asked him how he was doing. He said, busy. A lot is going on this week. And he casually returned the question to me and I said the same. I'm pretty busy. It feels like too much is happening right now. I don't know when it all changed. I remember the typical response used to be, I'm fine. Everything is fine. We're all fine. Trying to say that despite a down economy or a busy news cycle, that at least our lives have something going on, that busy is somehow better than being fine. But busy often means I'm not fine at all. I think it wears on all of us after a while and creates this strange longing for some way to press pause on the busy and learn what it means to be present. Sometimes it takes grounding yourself, turning off your phone, shutting the laptop, getting away for a little while and finding peace in the quiet. So I took an experiment to just stop and quit it all for just a moment to try and remember what it means to be instead of what it means only to do. To break the seemingly endless pattern of consumption and spend less time reacting to what's urgent and more time returning to what's important. That's a quote from Jeff Schinnebarger from the book More or Less. If you were to ask a kid, what's your favorite possession in the whole world? Or what's your most valuable thing? They probably take you to some toy chest and pull out their favorite toy and say, hey, this is it. For me, whenever I was about nine years old, my favorite possession or most valuable possession was a catcher's mitt. I had gotten it that summer for my birthday and my dad helped me put a ball in it. We wrapped some rubber bands around it and we put this stuff on there and even put it in the oven to, to let it get real soft so I could squeeze it a little bit better. But if you were to ask adults, what is your most valuable possession? I think if we were to actually stop and reflect on that, a lot of us would say our time. I love that passage that I just read from that book, particularly when it says, time is what I want most, but what I use worst. Not because that a struggle with time management happens per se, but because we realize that we spend our time on things that just aren't that important. We struggle because we want to use our time wisely. We want to spend our time on the most important things. But yet we end up in this continual cycle of doing things that really don't matter all that much. This week, I would love for us to finish up this series on big tables by talking about the cost of hospitality. Now, we all know that hospitality inherently has some financial costs. 
some of those things are this. Food costs, utility bills might go up. Food costs, energy to provide for others. Food costs, maybe things might get broken or misplaced. And did I mention food? The financial cost of hospitality is real and it requires our attention. It requires us to be intentional with how we spend our money and how we focus on serving others with what we have. However, I believe the greatest cost that we have in showing hospitality to others is our time. In the Gospel of Mark, if you would turn there if you got your Bible, in the Gospel of Mark, we see that Jesus has just told a rich young man that he must sell all of his possessions in order to follow him. And Peter has an interesting response. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 28. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. The greatest thing that we can give to someone is our time. Peter's position here is really the moral high ground. He's saying, Jesus, we've given up everything for you. We've given all of these things so that we might follow after you. But Jesus, as Jesus does, he puts him in his place a little bit. And he points out and he says that everything that you've given up for me, it'll be returned to you. Whether it's your house, your brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, possessions, anything you give up will be returned. And then Jesus says in verse 30, he points out a very specific thing. He says, and in the age to come, eternal life. See, Jesus isn't just talking about these worldly possessions. I believe Jesus is saying, as you give of your time, understand that you're not losing anything at all. In fact, you're gaining an eternity with Christ. Sure, in this age, now in this time, Jesus says, as you give your possessions, your worldly possessions away, he says, you're going, to retur- you're going to have those in return. I believe I could spend an entire series talking about that idea of how we as the church might be playing a part in serving and returning people what they've given up in order to follow Jesus, particularly the family aspect. But Jesus says, now in, in the age to come, you will have eternal life. That as you give up your time here on earth, he recognizes what you are giving up. Jesus, more than anyone, I believe, recognizes how important our time is. When we give of our time, we're actually giving of our life. And Jesus says, in the age to come, you will have eternal life with me. We think of time as being so finite. But Jesus says, with me, life with me will be eternal. As Christians, we give of our time freely because we know we're going to get it back. As the quote at the beginning of our lesson talked about, 
to break the seemingly endless pattern of consumption and spend less time reacting to what's urgent and more time returning to what's important. People are important. Our neighbors are important. And now, maybe more than ever, our church family is important. We are in very uncertain times. For the next two weeks, we don't get to meet at our building. I'm praying fervently that we will get to meet together again soon. But as we are separated, as we are in different places, I pray that we will recognize just how important our time has become. Many of us don't get to go and do all of the things that we enjoy doing on a regular basis. We might be stuck at home and spending time with our family and our pets, and they're probably driving us crazy by this point. But I want to encourage you to think of ways that you can reach out to your neighbors, to your friends and family, and most importantly, to our church family at this time. There are so many of us who who really enjoy and really kind of thrive off of being able to see each other on a weekly basis and for a time that's taken away from us. Now more than ever, we need to be creative in thinking of ways of how we can encourage one another as God's family. But not only that, we also have a responsibility, I believe, to spend our time, even in this difficult situation, to spend our time reaching out to our neighbors, to love them with the love of Christ. As our definition of hospitality even says, we are to seek to honor others with what we have so they experience the love of God. Seek to honor others with what you have so they experience the love of God. Mark 10, verse 31 says this, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Are we willing, even in our current situation, to be last? Are we willing to put others before ourselves, even when it comes to our ever so precious time? I believe God is asking us to. Don't hesitate. Reach out. Be one of those people who encourages continually. Send a letter, do whatever you can to be an encourager, to be uplifting to others, because now more than ever we need it. Before we close, I want to encourage each of you to know that our elders are here for you. I'm here for you. If if you need anything at all, both physical, spiritual, whatever it may be, know that they're here for you and we want to help. I pray that you will not hesitate, that you will reach out, give us a call, let us know whatever your need may be, and we'll be there. Before we close, I would love to say the prayer that we've been saying for a few weeks now. I pray that this is a prayer that we will continue to pray, one that is asking God to help us be the type of people that will set big tables for our neighbors, that we can show hospitality even whenever it means giving of our time. If you would, let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, shape us in such a way that we let you use our cell phone, our computer, 
letters, and any other resource we can think of. Father, and most of all, our time for the purpose of making strangers into neighbors and neighbors into family. Help us to stop being afraid of strangers, even when some strangers are dangerous. Grow us to be more like Christ in practicing hospitality, creating a new culture and a new reputation of what it means to be a Christian in a watching world. Help us to see that there's more to the Christian life than we have realized, more to enjoy, more to experience, more to celebrate, and that practicing hospitality is the key to discovering those hidden treasures. Resurrect this practice in the American church and begin with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.